now. Well, good evening. Uh, just had trouble to find a switch on. No. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'm actually super excited as we're going to start into a new series today. Um, but before that, um, I'm going to read to you from Psalm 121. And if you have your analog Bibles with you, you want to open them up now. And you can also use the app. app. <laughs> um, all right, Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. It's always good to hear the word of the Lord, right? Well, welcome back. We were, uh, the last few weeks we've been having special events here in CCF uh, with the baptism and the summer fest, so we didn't have church at five here, but now we're back. You guys are in your comfortable seats, masks back on, unfortunately, so I can only assume your, how you're feeling about this. But uh, yeah, as he said, we're starting a new series, and we're calling it Psalms of Ascent. And we're going to be, it's going to be a short series. We only have three weeks left, actually, from today, uh, including today, so this week, and then just two more weeks until we're in our summer break, uh, where as Calvary Chapel, we kind of basically reduce down to just one service. So there'll be no Wednesday service and no church at five. So uh, that's always sad, uh, but I know a lot of you will be going home and are going on vacation or whatever it might be. So it's kind of a practical way for us to also save on resources, but also come together, all of those who are here in, the, in Freiburg and be united in one service. So I think it's a cool thing. So if you are around, I hope that you're going to be continuing to come to the morning service during that time. Now, Psalms of Ascent. Uh, many of you might not know what that is. Anybody know what the Psalms of Ascent are? Yeah, a couple of you. Most of you are like really maybe too comfortable, a little relaxed. You guys awake? You guys with me? Yes? Okay, just making sure. Well, the Psalms of Ascent, uh, you might have noticed in your, if you're reading through your Bible, reading through the Psalms, there's sometimes this little title, says Psalms of Ascent. Uh, most of us probably, if we're honest, read right past that, don't think much about it. Uh, and you'll actually maybe recognize that uh, these are, a lot of these are quite popular to be turned into songs. Uh, in fact, the one we just read or had read was, uh, is, was, or was a popular song. Um, I feel like I'm old when I say that. It was probably like 10, 15 years ago that was really popular. Anyway, uh, so a lot of these will be songs that you might have, you might recognize. Uh, but uh, let me tell you just a little bit about the Songs of Ascent, if you didn't know what they are. Uh, there are 15 Psalms of Ascent, and we know that they're Psalms of Ascent because that's the title that's they're given right there at the beginning. And it goes from Psalm 120 to 134. 
And sometimes they're called songs of decrees in older English translations. Just found that interesting if you wanted to know that. Uh, we obviously won't look at all of them. We're just going to look at three of them over the next, uh, this week and then the next two weeks following. And what these are is a collection of songs. It's a kind of hymn book, if you will, uh, that was added to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is, is a collection of, of writings and, and psalms and songs uh, that were kind of put together. And this is one of them. It was a hymn book, if you will. And uh, what we have here is a beautiful collection of, of actual songs that people would have sung in worship as they made their way to Jerusalem. In fact, we can even assume, or it's very likely, that Jesus himself would have sung these songs in his own trips to Jerusalem in his life. And you could think of these as kind of Jewish pilgrimage hymn book kind of songs. It's kind of a road trip playlist to bring it, you know, it's like your Spotify playlist, bring it a little bit more into a modern understanding of your, your travel playlist. And these, are, these were songs that would have been sung as the travelers headed to Jerusalem to worship three times a year specifically, right? Uh, which would have been Passover, Tabernacles, and Pentecost as they made their way through the mountains towards Jerusalem. And Jerusalem having a higher elevation, it's a, a bit higher up, uh, meant that the people were usually heading upwards as they made their way to the city of, to worship God in the temple. Thus, psalms or songs of ascent. That's kind of where the name comes from, meaning to ascend, as in heading upwards to Jerusalem. And these were the songs that they were singing. So, it's kind of, it's not, not overly complicated understanding of what's going on there. Now today, what, what I want us to kind of bring this down to what, what, why does this matter? You know, these songs that these, these guys sung a long time ago. I'm not headed to Jerusalem anytime soon. What does this mean for me? Well, today, there's a distinct connection for us as we read through these particular psalms that I want to challenge you with, remembering that we ourselves are on a journey. We're on a journey right? It's a journey that we're on. And I actually had a conversation just this week with someone who was sharing their testimony with me. And I was reminded also at the two weeks ago, we had the baptism and we got to hear a lot of testimonies of how people came to Christ and how they came to be baptized. And actually this week, I was also asked to give my own testimony for someone. And I was reminded of my own journey, something I hadn't actually thought much about in quite some time. And it's amazing how our journeys can be so unique from one another. Everybody's is so unique, and yet we're all ultimately connected, and yet we ha all have one common heading, one common goal set before us, which is Jesus Christ. So we're united in that, no matter what our journey looks like for us. But we also know that our Christian journey, it's, it isn't a moment. We have to keep this in mind. And I'm thinking about my own testimony. I'm reminded of this. It's not a moment, right? You don't just wake up one day and say, okay, I love Jesus. I'm now a completely different person. I'm not, I'm no longer do anything. I'm not tempted by anything I was tempted by yesterday. I'm completely changed inside and out. We are changed, but the process of sanctification takes some time. It's a journey. We pass through the doorway of faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, but that is only the beginning of something. It's the beginning of a journey that takes us all the way through this life to the end of our days. 
Just as thousands of years ago, pilgrims set out for Jerusalem in order to obey God and to worship him outwardly in his house, in his temple, we today come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and begin to set out on our own journey, seeking him as our focus and making our lives and every step that we take an action of worshiping him. Just as the pilgrims sang these songs in worship, headed to God's house thousands of years ago. So today when we belong to the Lord, we will see progress, we'll see the, the progression, we'll see the journey as we look behind us, getting us ever closer to Jesus Christ, seen in how we live and the fruit that we produce in our lives. So there's a connection here. We're on a journey ourselves. And all of these songs were songs sung in a journey to worship God, a journey headed to God's house. So we can relate to this. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at three of these songs of ascent. But as always, when we are limited on time, I want to encourage you to take time and read through all of them. It's not, they're all very, very short. It doesn't take that long to read through all of them. But maybe take one every day, read through it, meditate on it, think about it. Let them minister to your heart and encourage you in your own journey with the Lord, heading ever closer to Jesus Christ day after day. So I want to challenge you with that. And that's just kind of just an idea when we think about these songs of ascent. Now as we get to today's text, we can actually see, and I think some images of a traveler that we'll show you right there at the beginning, making their way to Jerusalem. We can feel a sense of their march forward as they head ever closer on their pilgrimage, on their journey. And as I read through this Psalm, in addition to this image of a traveler, which I felt like is a good connection in kind of getting us started with this series, there's also a thread that sets the stage or kind of builds a foundation for all of these songs. Something that's important, something that we need to have rooted in us on our journey. Something that we understand in our journey. And it got me to thinking, because it's something that's going to be dealt with, I think, very prominently in the text that we're looking at today, as we'll, I'll show you. I've gotten me, it got me thinking about our current obsession as a culture with security. We live in a time where security is, has this, we put this high, high value on our own security. We have this need to make sure everything is as secure as possible. We've got to back up our hard drives. Make sure you have a backup for your backup and everything else. Home security, camera systems are becoming, are at an all-time high. It's actually I don't personally have it, maybe you do, that's, it's, it's okay, you can have that. Uh, but I find it really fascinating that you know, people who, I had a friend that I, I worked with and he was checking his phone all the time so he could check his cameras in every room in his house. And I was like, man, that's a, that's a little bit much, man. Like, you know, enjoy your life a little bit, man. And uh, so just this constant need to feel secure, feel safe, feel like everything's okay, everything's secure. In Germany, insurance is definitely a big thing in that realm. I was actually had a conversation yesterday with a friend, and we were talking about this, all the floods and how these insurance companies are like getting really stretched, but there's actually these big insurance companies that insure the insurance companies, and most of them are also insured by other insurance companies. And I was like, where does it end? That's insane. 
There's insurance for the insurance for the insurance. It's like, whoa, welcome to Germany. This psalm is going to help us to address the real question, the more important question of our personal and ultimate eternal security, which doesn't begin in eternity, but it begins now in our walk, in our journey, as we move forward in understanding where we're going. We all want to feel a level of security in our life. And here in Germany, we can take that for granted, right? I mean, relatively speaking, Compared to a lot of places in the world, this is a pretty safe place. It's not without crime, it's not without problems, but it's relatively safe. But let me share my own experience, actually. Uh, even with the security that we kind of can sense here in Germany, uh, it was pretty early in my time here when I first moved. I was living in a, not the greatest apartment, I'll be honest, not the greatest area to live in. But it was here in Freiburg, and I, I felt like Freiburg, yeah, it was a pretty safe place. And it was pretty early on when I was living there that the apartment was broken into, and pretty much everything that I valued, uh, they took. They didn't take my clothes. I guess they didn't like my style. But everything else that I owned was taken. And they took my laptop and all the backup hard drives. So that left me feeling a little lost. And I remember feeling so exposed and unsafe, and I, I couldn't even sleep there for a few nights. And even after it for weeks, I woke up at the slightest sound, you know, wondering, what if? Maybe they forgot the clothes, maybe they're coming back, I don't know. It was, I, I, it filled me with fear for a while. We all want security. And if wherever, if we've ever had, or if you've ever had, anything kind of taken from you or that, that level of security in any shape or form. Maybe it's losing a job or losing uh, yeah, a, a financial support that you had in your life or having things that you value taken from you. You have this feeling of vulnerability. And for me, it was in that moment of vulnerability that I realized I have way too much trust in the wrong things, way too much security and hope in the wrong things. I put too much value on the wrong things, too. That's a bit of a different topic. I trusted in my locks. I thought, oh, yeah, they're good locks. I had, you know, all the bolts and everything. But it didn't stop them. I was trusting in the wrong things. And so let's look at this psalm, this hymn of worship, in the hope that it would become our own song, an anthem to put our hope and security in the right place, in the right things, in the right direction. So verse 1, let's read again. It, so I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It's an interesting start to a song. We can imagine this pilgrim making their way, making their trek towards Jerusalem. We can feel with them, the, the, your feet are sore, you're feeling weak, maybe you know, maybe been walking a while feeling thirsty, and your, your mind is wandering as you're traveling, one foot in front of the other. He's looking around, they're looking around and looking at the mountains. As he looks, or she looks, at the hills and the mountains surrounding, the question of a self-reflecting question comes. Where does my help come from? Where is my hope in? In what do I find my security? Where's my help? What do I look to? What's my security? 
Now, something to note about these hilltops, there are these mountaintops. Uh, these were places that would have been high places. Now, I don't know exactly, we don't know exactly when this song was written. But we do know that when we look at the Old Testament, the hills, the mountains surrounding Jerusalem throughout history had often been places where altars had been built to other gods. Going back thousands of years, many had turned to other gods. They would go and ask a priest of these other gods to sacrifice to meet their needs because God, they stopped trusting in God and decided to turn to something that seemed a little bit more practical or a little bit more convenient or a little bit more close. For instance, if you couldn't have children, make a sacrifice to Baal, the fertility God. Maybe he'll do you a favor. And there were different gods, there were different sacrifices that were done for all sorts of different things in these high places. As a pilgrim passes, where these altars either were or had been to foreign gods, the question arises in their mind. As I look at these mountains all around me in their beauty and their majesty, which in itself is something that can draw our attention sometimes even away from God if we're not careful, I see these altars to other gods and I remember those who have turned to them for their security. Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? What am I looking to? It's self-reflection. It's the beginning of this song. Asking ourselves in honesty, what do I hope in? What do I trust in? What do I believe in? What's my security? And there are many things we can go to for our help. Money, obviously, is, I think, usually the most obvious one, right? If I have enough money, I can build up enough empire for myself, enough cushion around myself that I'm ready for anything that comes and then I'll have security. If I have enough, it won't let me down. Or our education and our career. Well, my help, my security is in my accomplishments, all the things that I've done, all the things that I've accomplished. And it could be education, it could be career, it could be even ministry. It could be, we can even make ministry something that's not healthy. Any of these things can become the wrong source of help. It can be a drink, I can get through any day as long as I have something waiting for me at home, a couple drinks. There's a lot of things that we tend to lean to for our help, to help us feel secure, to help us feel comfortable. It's important for us to reflect on our own hearts because whatever is your source of security, Whatever it is that you go to when you are in dire need, when you need help, you have to ask yourself, is it strong enough? Is it strong enough? Is it strong enough to hold up the weight of your life or is it something that can be easily weakened or broken, causing you to crash and burn? Now the answer that I hope we would find in ourselves is in verse 2. Let's read verse 2 together. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I certainly hope this for all of us, that this would be true, myself included, in all situations in our life, at all stages of our journey, that we could, without hesitation, 
upon personal self-reflection immediately and with confidence confirm in ourselves, I know where my help comes from. I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. My hope is in Him. My security is in Him and Him alone. I love the quickness. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now notice, not only does the writer give us this self-reflective contemplation to think on ourselves, what, where does my help come from? Followed by the correct answer, my help comes from the Lord. But the whole rest of this song, beginning in the half of verse, the second half of verse 2, gives us the reason for that answer, the reason for that answer. When I look around at the world, there are so many things I could be tempted to put my security in. But I will hope in the Lord. He will be my help. Not simply because that's the right answer, not simply because I think that's what I should do, but because He is the only one worthy, the only one who can truly offer genuine help, genuine security when I need it. If I need to know where to turn to when I need help, There is nowhere else that compares to Him. There's nowhere else that compares to Him. In whom do we put our hope? In whom do we put our hope? In the Maker, the Creator, the Sustainer, the Ruler over all things. Colossians 1, 16 through 17 gives us this beautiful little snippet of who Jesus is. For in Him, and that's Jesus, for in Jesus Christ, All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So if you're ever in need of help, there's no greater place. There's no higher authority than Jesus Christ himself to look to. Because where else can we go? Everything else will fall apart. Money will run out. The drink will fail to satisfy. Even insurance might not be able to pay. But he is there. He is there, still reigning over all things, still ruler over all authority, still king of kings, and still our loving father. The song begins with reflection, but as we begin to see who it is that we trust in, the song starts off broad. Who is it? Creator, maker of everything, supreme over all things, he who has all authority, but then it immediately is brought down into our life and into our journey. Verse 3 and 4, let's read again. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. We see an image of God as a watchman who is ever vigilant watching over his people. God is not one who needs to be woke up. That's good news. We don't need to pray extra loud or try to nudge God I think of Elijah as he's taunting the priests of Baal. Hey, maybe, you know, maybe you're not loud enough. Yell a little bit louder. Cut yourself a bit more. See if maybe maybe he's asleep. 
We don't have a God who is asleep. He's always watching over us. Every step of our journey that we take in our walk with the Lord. And our journey today is a spiritual one, leading us ultimately to an eternity with Jesus Christ. And Jesus promised us that he will not lose one of his sheep. He promises us that he will be with us until the end. He's with us every step of the way and that he will keep us along the way. We may feel like we've fallen. We may feel like we've fallen too far many times in our sins but Jesus will not let our foot slip. What does that mean? It means that, hey, we are going to stub our toe. We're going to fall down to our knees. Some of us need to get on our knees maybe more often. We're going to, be, we're going to fall. We're going to stumble. But our foot will not slip off the path. Because what does that mean? Well, what do we have this, as this image? We have this image of one traveling, one traveling in the mountains, Our foot will not slip, causing us to fall off the cliff. He will keep us on the path. He will keep us on the journey as long as our eyes are fixed ever forward on Him, as our help remains in Him and our hope and our security. He will not let our foot slip. We will stumble. We may fall. But our foot will not slip so that we would be taken off the cliff. God is just as present in the journey as He is in the destination. We know where we're headed. We know who we'll be with, but he is just as with us today as he will be with us then. Verse five and six, let's read again. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night. I love this image, and I think there are actually two things, two kind of ways that we can look at this section here. First is this idea of the sun and the moon, right? So we have the sun as this intense kind of pain on our backs. It burns our skin. It's unpleasant. And in this region, the sun is quite intense. Not as bad as Texas, just to be honest. But I, can, I, can, I know what it means when, they, when we talk about being shielded from the sun. And what it gives us an image of is comfort, comfort. One who gives us peace. If you've ever been in a blazing sun and don't have any shade, it's a very unpleasant experience. The Lord is a comfort as the comfort of a shade tree on a hot sunny day. We also have this image of the moon, which is I think a little bit more abstract. (laughs) That's my daughter. Let's come preach with Papa. We have this image of the moon, and it says that it'll shield us from the moon, but that's, I mean, the moon doesn't seem that dangerous. I think what we have here is we have, with the moon comes this image, this idea, this, this kind of picture of the fears of night, of darkness, of vulnerability to thieves and villains, as when you camp in the night, you're much more vulnerable. But it also reminds us of superstition. Throughout history, many have believed and in one way or another worshipped the moon and the powers of the moon, especially maybe a full moon. And God protects us against our own fears, shields us against our own insecurities. But he also protects us against spiritual attacks of our enemy. 
which often come in the night. And the other image that I see in this that I find encouraging is the closeness of God. The closeness of God. Because to say he is your shade is to also, one could say, he is your shadow. Now, I remember as a kid, and I found out recently, this is actually not that uncommon, so I'm not that weird. Bear with me. Uh, but I remember as a kid, I don't know, probably from watching Peter Pan, uh, the cartoon, those of you who know it, and I would sometimes try and trick my shadow and like lose it, you know, like go behind a wall and then like sneak out a different way and maybe it would like not follow me. If you've seen Peter Pan, you'll understand the shadow kind of has a life of its own. Needless to say, to this day, still never managed to lose my shadow. It's always there. And this idea of God as a, as a shadow in my life, although not a perfect analogy, right? It definitely has its flaws when we think of God as a shadow. Uh, but, because we're following God, God's not following us. But it does remind us of his, of his closeness and the inseparableness of our relationship to him. Sometimes we feel that God's really far away, but it might just be that we feel that because we're in a dark place. And in a dark place, the shadow is hard to see. And we can forget about it. But as soon as we step into the light, can't trick that shadow. It's still there. As soon as we step into the light, and what is the light? This. We step into the light of God's word, and we're reading his word, and his light is shining onto our lives and into our hearts. We see that, oh, he is there. He's always been there. He's always been nearer to me than my own shadow, guiding me, leading me, helping me along the way. So we're reminded of God's protection from the sun, protection from the elements of this world that we all, everybody lives under the same sun. We have a God who protects us against our own fears and one who comforts us and will never leave us. Let's look at verse seven and eight as we continue through the text. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I just want to make one note here. Uh, sometimes the NIV is not my favorite translation. I've maybe mentioned that before. And I don't like this word harm. I don't think it, it really does justice. It's usually translated evil. From all evil. The Lord will keep you from all evil. And I think it's a much better translation because the verse is not saying nothing bad will ever happen to you. And we kind of maybe address or associate harm with just all bad things. It says no evil. He will protect us, keep us from all evil. And I found this really great quote. Let me read to you. So, quote, all evil, in regards to this verse, will be averted from him who has Jehovah for his keeper. Therefore, if any so-called evil comes he may be sure that it is good with a veil on. I really like that. Meaning, when our help comes from the Lord, when our security is found in Him, we will know that all things are going to work out for our good because we know our destination. We know where we're going. God is going to get us there. It's going to work out for good. We know the ending of the story. Even things that seem bad because God is protecting us against evil. 
meaning that what the devil means against us for evil, God will turn and, to, and use it for something good. That doesn't mean that, hey, you get hit financially and then God's going to be like, all right, now here, win the lottery. Not like that. Because it's a journey. And we know that God is going to keep us. He is going to keep us on the path, step by step, day after day, getting us to the end, getting us to Him for eternity. And so no matter what happens in this life, God is going to use it to direct us ever closer to Him. And that is a good thing. The devil might mean it for evil. God will use it for good. And here's another quote. In the light of other scriptures... Again, talking about the scripture here. In the light of other scriptures, to be kept from evil or be kept, be kept from all evil does not imply a cushioned life, but a well-armed one. I really like that phrase, but a well-armed one. Let us be well-armed. Not hoping or trusting in things that will always let us down, but in the unfailing love of God our Father in the unfailing love of God. Begin by looking to the right hill. As he looked out at all of those hills, some maybe still had the remnants of altars or maybe active altars. Again, I don't know when that was written. As he looked out at all these hills and all of these possibilities and all these things that we could hope and all these things that we could trust in, look to the right hill. And that is the hill that Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross on. When you put your hope in Jesus Christ as your Lord as your Savior, knowing that you are a sinner and that there is no way for you to save yourself. You need help in looking to the right place to find it. And you know that there is no other way by which one is saved but through Jesus Christ. When you believe that, let it be your strength on your journey. And may you remember that the Lord will keep you. In verse 7 through 8, actually, three times we, actually, there's one word. It's translated differently in different translations. Uh, but there's one word that, Jesus, that, God, that is used there for God to keep us, that God is keeping us. And let me read another quote, a lot of quotes this time. Just found a lot of good ones. This is from Charles Spurgeon. Our soul is kept from the domain, and he's, again, regarding this verse, our soul is kept from the dominion of sin, the inflection of error, the crush of despondency, the puffing up of pride, kept from the world, the flesh and the devil, kept for holier and greater things, kept in the love of God, kept under the eternal kingdom and glory. We can be so grateful that we have a God who is always with, with us, always there for us, always there to be our help. And he keeps us every step of our journey to our last until we enter into eternity. And as we, in closing, as we look at these songs of ascend, and as you maybe hopefully read them this coming week, let us also remember that these are not solo songs. They weren't for the individual, they were for communities. People sang these together. We are a community. We are the church. And though each of us is on different journeys in the sense that they are unique from one another, 
we also are united in our common destination. Let us never forget that. It's something so universal that unites us together. And let us never cease to encourage and to strengthen and to support one another on our journey with God through this life together, knowing that He is the one who's going to keep us. He's the one who sustains us, who lifts us up. And that He uses us often to be that support for one another as the body of Christ. Amen. I invite the band to come back up as I close with some prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you keep us. We thank you so much that you comfort us, that you guide us, that you never leave us, that you're as close as our shadow. Sometimes we foolishly try and get away from you, whether it's your presence or your truth or an aspect of your truth. I pray, Father, that you would break our hearts to see you fully, to see our need from you, our need for you and our reliance on you and to be without hesitation convinced that we know where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. Amen.